The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Dr. Dina Hinshaw just taking the podium at the Alberta Legislature. Let's hear from her. Coming in, my apologies for being late today. Since yesterday's update, we have confirmed 42 new cases of COVID 19. This means that 301 cases have now been identified in our province. We suspect up to 24 of these cases may be community transmission. 18 individuals have been hospitalized and seven are receiving care in the ICU. There have been no additional deaths. Three Albertans have recovered from COVID-19 so far that have been reported to us. I would like to take this opportunity now to update you on the investigation into the Edmonton Bonspiel with Western Canadian physicians and other healthcare workers that occurred March 11th to 14th. All attendees have been contacted and are self-isolating. We have determined that 11 of the 47 Alberta healthcare workers who attended the event have now tested positive for COVID-19. Many of these are physicians. Some of these individuals worked early last week before notification came through of the case associated with the event. And all contacts are being notified as per usual local public health follow-up. Some of these contacts have been patients. I was able to speak with one of the organizers last night who described the measures that were taken to follow guidelines that were in place at the time. Despite these measures, transmission took place and the key messages that we can take away from this event are, number one, even mild symptoms, minor sore throat or runny nose can result in spread of infection. Number two, commonly touched surfaces like serving spoons at a buffet can be a mechanism for spread. COVID-19 does not discriminate. All of us need to be vigilant with regular hand hygiene, staying home even with minor respiratory symptoms, and keeping unwashed hands well away from our faces. I want to talk now about isolation timelines and testing changes. Earlier today, we announced changes to our isolation and testing protocols for COVID-19. I understand Albertans may have questions about these changes. So I'd like to take a few minutes to address your concerns. First, we've updated our self-isolation timeline for those who are sick from 14 days to 10 days following the onset of symptoms. The most up-to-date medical evidence indicates that if you are feeling well after 10 days from the onset of mild symptoms like sore throat, runny nose or cough, you will be able to stop self-isolating Again, provided your symptoms have resolved. If symptoms continue past 10 days, self-isolation should as well. This 10-day timeline is for those who are sick. For those who are well and have had an exposure of concern, such as travelers returning from outside of Canada or those who have had close contact with a confirmed case, they will still need to self-isolate for 14 days upon their return or after their last exposure as a precaution. Should they start to experience symptoms, they must also follow the same 10-day guideline. This means that if a person returned from abroad and experienced symptoms after seven days of self-isolating, they will be required to self-isolate for 10 days from the start of those symptoms. In this example, that would mean their total time in self-isolation, assuming their symptoms resolve by 10 days, would be 17 total days. 
I understand this might be confusing and we are trying to make sure that our website is very clear about the 10-day guideline for those who are ill and the 14-day for those who are well after an exposure or return from travel. In addition, we are also adapting our testing approach to ensure we prioritize those who need testing the most. You have heard me talking about a need to shift the use of our testing capacity to enable both capture of some returning travelers with illness, as well as testing those who have not traveled. Going forward, we will continue testing that has been in place for the last few weeks of people who are admitted to hospital with respiratory illness and residents of continuing care and similar facilities. For these individuals, COVID-19 remains a dangerous illness and access to testing can make all the difference, especially in settings like a long-term care. Additionally, later this week, we will also be adding testing for healthcare workers. This is being done to ensure the physicians and nurses and other healthcare providers we rely on can return to the front line as soon as possible. It also helps us to test some individuals who have not traveled, so we have a better understanding of where there may be spread in our communities. Individuals with mild symptoms who do not fit these categories will not be tested. We will honor any existing appointments that have already been made, but going forward, this will be a change for returning travelers. Returning travelers should all be at home and self-isolating for two weeks since their return. They should continue to stay at home and if they experience mild symptoms, self-isolate for the minimum 10 days from the start of symptoms or until symptoms resolve, whichever is longer. This new approach, which has been adopted in other provinces, reflects the fact that the number one thing you can do if you have mild symptoms isn't to get tested. It is to stay home and self-isolate away from others. I understand some Albertans may be upset with this change. I can appreciate the comfort and certainty that testing can bring for those unsure whether they have a minor bug or COVID-19. It is important to remember that the majority of people who get COVID-19 will experience minor symptoms. For those who do experience these symptoms, there is nothing better you can do for yourself and others than to stay home and self-isolate away from others. I would also like to give you an update on some of the work occurring in our health facilities to make sure our health system is ready to respond. Alberta Health Services has taken two significant steps to minimize the risk of transmission at our hospitals, to protect our staff, and to ensure we are able to provide safe, timely care and treatment for patients. Starting this week, staff, physicians and contractors at clinical health care sites will be screened before starting their shift. They will be met at the entrance, given a temperature check and asked to complete a short questionnaire to assess health risk. Any employee deemed not fit to work will be asked to return home and told to self-isolate. This is necessary to keep both our patients and healthcare workers safe. AHS is also implementing a process that will expedite return to work for healthcare workers who are self-isolating but displaying no symptoms. This will only be done in exceptional and limited circumstances where it is absolutely necessary for that frontline care provider to work and where there are no other alternatives for coverage. This will include 
even more rigorous temperature checks, regular wearing of masks, and other measures to ensure that protection from any possible spread of disease is under control. Please be assured this process will be very carefully managed. Any staff who is, who is approved for an expedited return to work will be required to follow very strict conditions. Patient and staff safety will be the deciding factor in any approval. It has been close to a week since strict measures for social distancing and mass gatherings were put in place. And with the warm weather now approaching, I can understand the need to get out and enjoy the sunshine. Again, I reiterate the importance of practicing physical distancing whenever you are out in public. I do encourage people to go for walks and enjoy being outside. And at the same time, it is extremely important to maintain that distance between others. Whether it's the Glenora Stairs or heading up Nose Hill, please be careful to maintain a distance of two meters and to avoid touching rails, garbage cans, or other potential sources of transmission. I especially caution Albertans against planning trips to provincial parks or the mountains, where many washrooms, restaurants, and facilities are closed, and where it is possible that large crowds could form. Now is not the time for travel. I know that these measures we have put in place continue to strain families, businesses, and all Albertans. And I appreciate how hard it is to be separated from friends and family during such stressful times. It's important to remember that we are all in this together. Now more than ever, we need to take care of each other. This means now more than ever, keeping a physical distance, and now more than ever, finding creative ways to maintain our bonds and stay socially connected. Connection is so vitally important to our mental health and well-being. I encourage anyone who needs support to reach out to someone they trust, talk to a family member, friend, or someone they can be honest with to talk through concerns. As a part of this message, today Alberta Health Services is launching a text-based program that aims to help provide encouragement and hope to Albertans. Text for hope, that's the number four, sends subscribers text messages of support and encouragement to ease stress or anxiety. Albertans can text COVID-19-HOPE to 393939 to subscribe. In return, they'll receive daily text messages on healthy thinking or actions to help manage their mood. The program was developed by Alberta Health Services and made possible through the generous support of the Mental Health Foundation, the University Hospital Foundation, the Calgary Health Trust, the Alberta Children's Hospital Foundation, and the Royal Alexandra Hospital Foundation. All Albertans have been impacted by COVID-19, and this free program is an additional resource to help us find encouragement and strength as we navigate the day-to-day -day challenges of a new normal. Before I conclude, I'd like to continue my practice of sharing some extraordinary examples Albertans have posted under the Alberta Cares hashtag. Every act, those big or small, lifts us up as a province and demonstrates how quickly Albertans take action to care for one another. Acts like restaurants donating food to organizations that help feed seniors or the homeless, neighbors running errands for each other and sharing groceries, kids posting drawings in their windows as a makeshift art gallery to cheer up their neighbors, retail chains donating stock like face shields to frontline healthcare workers, and landlords working with tenants to provide support during these trying times. 
please continue to share your stories using the Alberta Cares hashtag and continue to take care of each other and yourselves. Thank you. I know that was very long. I'll now take questions. Um, in Ontario and Quebec, both today announced a closure of non-essential businesses. How close are we in Alberta to that point? So these measures are things that aren't taken lightly, and uh, both Ontario and Quebec had cases slightly ahead of Alberta, as did BC. So the important thing in Alberta is that we're continuing to monitor our situation, continuing to monitor the effects of the measures we've already put in place to understand where it would become necessary in Alberta to potentially put additional measures in place. And again, this is something we monitor on a day-by-day -day basis, knowing that the situation is rapidly evolving. And just a quick question about the change in testing criteria. Are there concerns um, if only the most at-risk people are being tested that we don't fully capture the bigger picture of what's happening in the province? So I've talked before about the fact that we're fighting a war on two fronts. The one front is those who are coming from outside the country who may have been infected and then bringing infection into the province with them. And we need to use not just testing as a measure, but multiple measures to control that. And so with returning Albertans coming in from outside of Canada, those people are being asked to self-isolate for 14 days at home. And that's the measure that they need to take to protect others. So we won't capture those numbers in our data going forward. So we will have a shift in terms of how many confirmed cases we're capturing. But the measures that we're taking to have them stay at home are sufficient to protect other Albertans. We only have so much testing capacity and the, the second front, the war that we're fighting, is the potential spread in our communities. As of today, we have over 20 cases we believe have been acquired in our community and we need to do more testing to understand what that spread is like and healthcare workers provide both an opportunity to understand that spread as well as making sure that we're helping those who are at greatest risk of being exposed and making sure that we get accurate diagnostics there so we understand where that risk is and so they can, um, if, if they are not positive for COVID-19, again, helps them get back to work more quickly and also make sure that we get a better uh, sense of what's happening in our communities. Okay. Two questions, if I may. First, Premier Kenny this morning referenced, um, he said the snowbird return season is upon us. And he seemed to say that there's concern that someone may not take it seriously and see the, the isolation as more of a guideline. Where is that coming from? Is that information that you gave him? Are you, is there going to, are we going to get a sort of a boost to the snowbird return? And is there a concern, or are you hearing a concern that they're not going to take it seriously? So we know that this is the time of year, every year, when we do have many, many people who've been away for the winter coming back. Uh, the question about whether or not they take it seriously, I think there's a few factors to that. As I'm sure everybody is aware, the Alberta government has been trying to get messaging out in places where snowbirds are so that they are aware of what they need to do. But that doesn't guarantee that they will have received the message. So part of it may be awareness. Uh, we are working with the federal government to ensure that border crossings have appropriate information that's being given, whether that's land crossings or airports. So we're trying to make sure that everyone knows what's expected of them. Uh, but the, the other piece about reports, so we, we have had some reports of people who are returning uh, and again, maybe it's a lack of awareness. It's, those are all the things we're trying to figure out. But as soon as they return, then going out and, and shopping because they're just coming back and maybe don't have supplies at home. So again, this would be a message for all Albertans. If you know someone who's returning, 
and you can help them by helping them get stocked up so they don't have to go out and get groceries or get supplies. This is something that all Albertans can help with and make it less necessary for these people who are coming home from months and months away to be out in stores and, and public places. So again, this is another thing where we can all pitch in both with information as well as support so people don't have to be out to get their necessities. Yeah, is there, is there a way you can give Albertans a window into your short-term forecasting or modeling? What do you think? Is the next week going to be the crunch period for Alberta, next two weeks? Um, success is a relative term, but what does success look like? And how do you, you know, is it maybe look at the community numbers versus the travel numbers? Mm -hmm. you, I don't want to use the word success because that's not, that doesn't sound right, but is there, are you gauging that? Are you forecasting what would or progress look like Tuesday a week or two weeks? Yeah, so I think that we need to remember that because the incubation period is 14 days, it would take two weeks from whenever we implemented any new measure for us to see what effect that might take. Uh, so I think we should expect that there will be additional new cases that we will see because we're still seeing after effects of exposures that happened up to two weeks ago. Uh, in terms of success, I think that this is clearly a very contagious illness. It's something that no one has immunity to. And so we need to closely monitor those community acquired numbers, especially as we shift our testing protocols. And that will help us get a better understanding of what is happening. It'll also help us determine again, whether or not we're at a place where we might need to move into more aggressive measures. Whatever we put in place, we will need to sustain for a period of time because the, the measures we're putting in place don't make the virus go away. They just slow down the rate of spread so that we don't end up with a, a steep peak of many people getting sick all at once and then coming down the other side. So it may actually sort of push out the spread of the disease further as that curve is flattened. So these are all the things that I will be looking at, that my team will be looking at, are these the numbers, especially the locally acquired numbers, uh, and seeing how that tra trajectory shifts and changes, uh, and, and whether or not we need to put in additional measures. So I seem to follow that. So is there a way you can tell us if we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction? Or I appreciate it. it's hard yeah. To, yeah. to quantify what's happening here, but <clears throat> is there anything that you could Albertans and sort of look for next week to see if we're on the right path? Uh, really, it's going to be looking at, at our numbers. And again, that's, that will shift a little bit as we've shifted this testing process. But the numbers are going to be what help us understand. But I, I think, again, it won't be over the next few days. It will be over the next few weeks because it does take a while for us to see the you effects. The community spread numbers are kind of the canary in the coal mine, is that? Th that is our biggest concern. I think we've dealt with, again, the one front of returning travelers with the measures we've put in place. And we need to make sure that those are being followed. And now the second front is where we need to focus our attention with community transmission. Yeah. And I have to go to the phone now. Um, operator, could you patch through the first question, please? Yes, the first question is from Rick Bell of the Calgary Sun. Your line is open, please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon, Doctor. Um, on, on the weekend, uh, there were news reports that the Alberta government was set to announce new enforcement around social distancing, a topic which agitated the Prime Minister very much this morning. Um, do you have any idea when that's coming? It said in the news report that the province have received reports of people not practicing social distancing. I personally witnessed it and almost got into a bit of a scrap over it on Sunday myself in a drugstore and uh, where people had no idea even what social distancing was uh, or apparently didn't know. 
And so we've been told something will roll out this week about public health inspectors monitoring maybe restaurants or coffee shops or businesses or groups. Is that still happening? Yes, so uh, we have on our website information about if somebody does observe uh, an issue where the orders that we've put in place to close down businesses such as uh, bars, nightclubs, to close down locations like gyms or recreational facilities, indoor children's playgrounds. So if anyone sees something that's not being followed in those orders or gatherings of more than 50 people, environmental public health inspectors across the province can be contacted. There's information on how to contact them. There's a link on our website that, uh, that lets Albertans know how to get in touch with them. And then those environmental public health inspectors are able to enforce the legal orders that have been put in place to require all of those measures. So that, uh, again, that information I believe went up today on our website yeah. uh, to make sure that Albertans know who they can talk to if they are seeing concerns with some of these, these uh, orders not being followed. Is there a follow-up, Rick? Yes. Um, so these inspectors are not on their own going to, um, or are they? going on their own to sort of randomly check. You know, the same way, um, as you well know, health inspectors go to restaurants in mm -hmm. pre-virus times, you know, to check on restaurants and check on their cleanliness and, and various other regulations. Is there, or is it just going to be driven by a public complaint? Because I was only out for a very short period of time, like I said, to a drugstore and then walked past a coffee shop that was open um, on my way back to my vehicle and I found a few infractions just there in that very short period of time. So are there going to be also inspectors actually going out randomly and doing random checks on various places? So that's a, good, that's a good question. I know that uh, Alberta Health Services has been looking at the work that their inspectors normally do. As you say, normally they do have a routine schedule for inspecting restaurants and places that, for, that serve food. Uh, so that's something that I will have to take back and get back to you whether or not um, they've adjusted those normal proactive inspections to include now inspections for the enforcement of the orders that are in place. Again, I know they're doing complaint-driven inspections, but we'll double-check on that and get back to you about their proactive schedule and how that's been adjusted away from just the restaurant inspections and more about the uh, COVID order inspections. Yeah. Operator, could you pass to the next question, please? Yes, the next question is from Emma Graney of the Globe and Mail. Go ahead, please. <coughs> Yeah, good day. Sure, just a quick question to follow up on your text for hope thing that you brought up today. Um, what are you hearing about the need for something like that and, and why is that a priority to the government right now? So uh, what the, the underlying, I guess, root of that particular initiative is the knowledge that as human beings, we have an innate need to be connected with each other socially. It's, it's built into our DNA. We're hardwired to be connected to others. And so as we are putting restrictions in place, we've called it social distancing. Uh, but to borrow a phrase from my colleagues in British Columbia, I think we need to think about it as physical distancing with social connectedness. Because we need that social connection. Again, this is something that, that 
uh, actually causes physical illness if we are socially disconnected. And so this particular text program is just one way that these organizations that I mentioned pooled resources to try to help Albertans who want to feel like they have some hopeful messaging coming through, especially when the news is often frightening and things are uncertain. We don't know how this will unfold. And so having something that can come in regularly as a little spot of brightness in the day is about being connected to others, about having that hopeful message. And again, that's, that's the premise on which this is founded. Is there a follow-up, Emma? No, I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. Operator, could you patch the next question, please? Yes. The next question is from Sammy Hudas from the Calgary Herald. Your line is open. Hey, hey there. I have a question about changes to the province's testing strategy announced today. Um, on many days uh, in the last week, I'm seeing online that there are about 3,000 or more tests uh, per day in Alberta for COVID-19. Uh, and you've talked about how the capacity is, is more around 2,000. So will the changes today result in fewer daily tests? I don't anticipate uh, that in the long term they will result in fewer daily tests. Our lab has, as I've mentioned before, done extraordinary things to expand their capacity to the fullest extent they're able to. And so uh, there may be some shifts in the, the first few days as we move into this new regimen and again the healthcare worker testing implementation won't be till a little bit later in the week we do have some testing volumes samples that have been collected that still need to be processed through the lab so we need to make sure that we get all of those worked through and then we can move into this new phase i i anticipate we will be using our full lab capacity going forward with this this new shift and we know that there are other groups that are asking about testing we will continue to refine this policy again utilizing as much lab capacity as as we are able to have in the most strategic way possible is there a follow-up there sammy no thank you excellent back to the floor julia um We've heard about other provinces like Nova Scotia and Newfoundland um, saying that those who enter the province need to self-isolate. Are we at that point here in Alberta? So we've had some discussions about that on our special advisory committee calls. So with respect to uh, each of the chief medical officers of health across the, the country around how, how do we determine that? How do we figure out when we might stop um, I guess it wouldn't be stopping people from coming in, but when we might ask people to self-isolate when they've come in from a different province. And I think each province is looking at their own epidemiology and trying to make decisions that are in the best interests of that particular province. So some that may, uh, and I know, for example, in the north, in the territories, where they have very few cases and also quite limited healthcare infrastructure, they're going to be making decisions based on their context and we'll be needing to make decisions about ours in Alberta. So again, that's a very live question. And as you know, every day we look at our situation, we look at what's going on outside the country, outside the province. And so it's possible we may come to that as a recommendation, uh, but we're not there at this point in Alberta. And then just to go back quickly to the bond spiel, um, with 11 of those who were at the bond spiel from Alberta, um, many of them you said are physicians and obviously testing positive for the coronavirus, are there concerns about the, the impact that is going to have on the frontline workers that we have in, in Alberta? It's absolutely a concern and certainly we know that all 47 of those who attended are self-isolating so none of those individuals are at work right now and so that 
Uh, we haven't heard. I haven't heard that that's been a, a significant impediment to the delivery of care at any of those particular locations. Those are individuals across the province. Uh, but certainly, I think our healthcare system needs all of the people that we have. And so that's why, again, some of the measures that I mentioned earlier about the aggressive screening that Alberta Health Services is going to be doing for people who show up to work at, before they even start working and our ability to test so that we're making sure that we're accurately capturing any individuals who might be at risk. And a reminder again that, that even mild symptoms like a, a sore throat or a runny nose, which might previously say three weeks ago, we would maybe not have considered those to be at risk based on the information that was reported from China. Based on our own information, we now say that is a risk. And so all of these things are what we're doing to try to keep it out of the healthcare system, protect our healthcare professionals and their patients. So we're gonna go to the phone again. Operator, could you patch to the next question, please? Yes, thank you. The next question is from Kevin Nimick from CTV. Kevin, your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm wondering about hotels and university dorms. Do you foresee that they're going to be converted into hospitals or used for homeless people who can't stay in shelters any longer? So there are many plans underway in cities across the province with respect to sheltering those who are experiencing homelessness. And so it depends on each, each of those specific cities is looking at options that are appropriate to their context, what, what they have available to them, uh, where they can provide services. And so certainly hotels or uh, other amenities are on that list for consideration, but there will be different um, measures put in place in each location based on what the, the local needs are and what's locally available. With respect to opening additional hospitals, I might just ask Dr. Jaffe to comment. I'm not sure what additional infrastructure is being looked at for that. Thank you, Dr. Hinshaw. So as Dr. Hinshaw has said, we are looking at capacity both inside the hospital and outside of our hospitals. We do need to ensure that we can care for Albertans where they are and where they need care. Our hope is that most Albertans will be cared for outside of the hospital setting. And as she has said, we are looking at opportunities in the various communities around the province to ensure that we can do that. Within our own facilities, we are looking to enhance capacity to ensure that we are ready for Albertans if they present to our doors. Is there a follow-up question? Yeah, there sure is. I'm wondering about work sites. I know, Dr. Hinshaw, you were asked uh, last week your, your thoughts on Wallace's work sites, and uh, you said that at the time uh, they're okay, but uh, they are already practicing some social distancing. Has your, have your views changed at all? Are you still uh, open to the idea of these work camps staying open? So, you know, we get, we get a lot of questions about work camps, uh, construction sites. There's questions about other, other workplaces and whether or not any of these locations are safe. And I think the, the critical thing is to look at each individual site to understand how they're able to implement the recommendations of ensuring that anyone who has any symptoms, even mild, has a place to self-isolate away from others, making sure that if there are any gatherings of uh, people uh, you know, up to 50 that there's able to socially distance, so there's more than two meters apart, that there's no buffet-style dining. So those are the kinds of things that are important to make sure that that risk is mitigated. And as, as we've done since the beginning, it's really a matter of trying to weigh out 
the health risks and the risks of spread of this virus against the risks of the actions that we take and the impacts that that suite of public health measures have on Albertans. So at the moment, again, I believe that our current state uh, is not putting anyone at undue risk, but we do continue to assess that every day based on our current data, based on what we know about what's happening in other provinces, uh, and with these different activities going on in these locations. And if we feel that more measures need to be taken, we will put those in place. Operator, could you patch to the next question, please? Yes, the next question is from Terry Reith of CBC. Please go ahead. Yes, hi, thank you, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, just uh, some follow-up questions on the testing. Uh, we've been talking about this number, about 2,000 tests per day, highest per capita rate in North America, uh, number three in the world. Uh, is this still an accurate number, and how is it that Alberta is able to uh, do this many tests, more tests than other jurisdictions, and I will have a follow-up. Sure. So the lab has actually managed to push the maximum number to 3,000 a day. Uh, and I think that question of how we've been able to do it, we have many advantages in Alberta. One is that we have a single healthcare delivery organization. Uh, and our provincial lab for public health is incredible, with incredible people working in it, with a, a great infrastructure in terms of the expertise that, that those individuals possess and the, the work that they do there. I think we also have a community of people who work in laboratories outside of Alberta Health Services who've been willing to share expertise, personnel, equipment, uh, reagents and supplies and so we've been able to through the pooling of resources across many organizations in Alberta we've been able to use the equipment that the lab has they also put in some orders early on for some extra equipment to help them enhance their testing capacity uh, some of which has arrived some of which is, is still several weeks away but the combination of that planning, preparedness, and that spirit of pooling our collective resources so that the equipment that we have can run 24-7. Again, there's shifts in the lab that people are, are running this equipment all day and night so that we can use that equipment to its fullest potential. And again, the ability to then, when the, the reagents or some of those testing materials run a bit low, uh, we were waiting for our extra orders, some of the other labs in the province have stepped up outside of the health sector to give us reagents in the health sector so that we can manage this urgent response. So this is really a triumph of collective effort. You've been listening to Dr. Dina Hinshaw give her daily update about COVID-19 in the province of Alberta. Once again, 42 new cases in Alberta today. We sit at 301 total. Um, Dr. Hinshaw believing that up to 40, uh, up to 24 cases in the province have been due to community transmission. No additional deaths to report. We still had the one from last week. 18 people are hospitalized. Seven receiving care in the ICU.